0: Hello and welcome to the DASH Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and I've got a special episode for you this time addressing some college students at Coca College here in Hartsville High School. We're talking about the six steps to personal effectiveness. I hope that you enjoy this episode and if you like it, please share it, leave a comment and tell your friends. Stay tuned. This is The DASH especially as a speaker it's um, it's always a good idea to record what you're doing so you can go back and um you know see what you did count your ums count your eyes count those i'm gonna come to whatever side of the room this is front back or side so i can see everybody and you can look the same way but uh thank you for sharing first of all i'm excited to be here one of my favorite things to do is is come to coker and, and have an opportunity to speak to students I graduated in 2015 from Miami, Ohio, It's not in Florida, it's Miami University in Ohio. A lot of people get it confused, but we were a school when Florida belonged to Spain, so it's the real Miami, if you ask me, after the Miami Indians. I also studied psychology at Miami, and I minored in management and leadership. And that question that I asked you was a question that one of my professors asked in a work and motivation class. management leadership. And it it really, the answers sound very similar to what I heard in my class. And it was just a very eye-opening question for me. And it was one that really kind of just changed the way I thought about the world. That's when I really kind of solidified what I wanted to do with my life. And so I also love to travel. My last semester I spent abroad in Luxembourg. We have a branch campus there at Miami. So I spent 14, 16 weeks there and went to a new country every week. Went to 14 countries in 16 weeks. We went to school Monday to Thursday. We jumped on a train, jumped on a plane, and just traveled. So that was definitely something that I got to do. And at the same time, I also knew when that question was asked that I wanted to be a public speaker and some kind of consultant. So the real cool thing about the world is whatever you ask for, you get. And whenever you, you can think back to when you were 6 years old, 10 years old, 18 years old, what you ask for, you get. Um, you know, people don't become what they want to be, they you become who you are, and so the work that you put in to get to that place is what really makes the difference. So there's, there's nothing in my life that I've asked for and have not received, and I believe that's true for everybody. Sometimes you just don't pay attention to what you're asking for. So when Mr. Burkemper asked me to come to class, one, I'm excited because you guys are so confident, and I love the way that you projected your voice. And I can tell this is an entrepreneurship class because you've got the, the gusto or the guts of what it takes. Just from hearing your voice, you could tell a lot about folks. So that was pretty cool. And some of the options that I had to speak with you all about was personal effectiveness. And that's actually a term that sounds phenomenal. I love that term, personal effectiveness, that I hadn't heard about, but I, I thought it would be really relevant, especially for the situation you're in right now. And for myself, I, I really pride myself. When I was in high school, I made an ode to myself that I wanted to have an impact on everybody I have a conversation with. I don't really know what that means, but I know that every time I talk to somebody, I, I want to leave an impact. You know, not that it has to be about me, but just means I want to add value to everybody that I can conf- converse with. Um, want, to, want to be somebody that you can remember, somebody that you can just get a golden nugget out of. A lot of times you hear people talk about planting seeds, and you plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed. And so I, I want to be a seed. I don't have to be the the seed that you see when it sprouts, because sometimes you forget that you put that seed in the ground and had to water it and wait for it to sprout. But if I can give you a nugget that will help you three days from now or three years from now, my job is done. So graduating in 2015, it was, um, it was interesting. I played football in college as well. I rode the bench my freshman year, I rode the bench my sophomore year, and that whole time I was excelling in the classroom. I was going to psychology labs, I was joining the student government, diversity affairs council and stuff like that. And when I got on the field, my grades slipped, but I got to do some cool stuff. I got to play in the Bengals stadium, in the Patriot stadium, and Boise State on their blue turf. and. Where else? Michigan, 102,000 people there. My last game on, was on ESPN, so that was pretty cool. I got to go home for Thanksgiving and, and watch myself play on ESPN for Thanksgiving. So th- there were some pretty cool experiences about that. And now that I've had three years, which is not too far away, you probably realize every, every year gets faster. Like your freshman year is cool, your sophomore year goes by a lot faster, and now you're already a senior. And I can tell you, once you get out of school, there's no structure anymore. There's not a four-year window where you can say, I have this much time to get this degree, or to get this thing, or to get that thing. That doesn't exist anymore. Now you just got life. And so many people in life get stuck living the same year over and over and over 75 times, and they call it a life. That's not it. Do you know anybody, let me see a show of hands, do you know anybody that's been in the same place, they've said they want to finish their resume, they wanna change jobs, they wanna do this, lose weight, whatever, but they've been saying it for 10 years, the same resolution, and it has not happened. Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if it's you, because we're gonna change that. But that, that's, that's a real thing, you know, and so seeing that and knowing that you can put yourself in a position to not be there, if you can set the goal, if you can meet the mark, and it's not necessarily about what you, what you get, Of course, I want a million dollars. Zig Ziglar said everybody should make a goal to reach a million dollars as a goal. Not for what you get at the end, but for who you have to become in order to receive that reward. And so that's the same thing in in life. You know what? It's not what do you get? Who are you? Who do you have to be to have a million dollars? Travel the world. That's your life goal. If money was no object, what do you have to do to get there? Who do you have to be for that to be your reality? Who do you have to be to buy a big um, boathouse or beach house? You know, so it's working yourself up to that place. And motivation doesn't last. You can be motivated all you want, and I'm a speaker, so one of my main things is to motivate you. But it's more of a shift. It's more of a shift than a motivation. If you can shift, think about a spaceship. A spaceship on the way to the moon, if it's off one degree, will miss the moon by 150 million miles show me what one degree looks like, with your fingers. It's not one, if you're off this much in a spaceship, you're n- not even in the same atmosphere, or galaxy, or whatever the space terms are. So it's all about that shift, just one degree. If, if, if this talk, if this class can shift your brain one degree, we're getting you back on track for today. Not saying you're off track, but it's a calibration. That's why spaceships have gyroscopes, so every time it gets off, you go back on. So I just have a few things that I want to share with you today about personal effectiveness because I think that's such a cool term and we'll talk about entrepreneurship as well. I like to talk, I'm a speaker so stop me whenever I enjoy discussions so I don't plan on talking the whole time. Um, At one point I'll just sit down and y'all can ask questions and we can converse with ourselves but let me pull out a couple little notes and I've already mentioned the first thing, personal effectiveness. First, let's, let's define that. What, what does personal effectiveness mean to you? Popcorn. How well and how quickly you can get your goals done or achieve your goals. I like that. How well and how quickly you can get your goals done and achieve them. Who else? How efficient you are, to like you achieve your goals or how efficient you are in general as a person. Yeah, for sure. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I find I feel really effective when I'm putting others before myself. Mm. Having a service mindset. Mm. That's a star for your notes right there. That's a star for real. I like that. What else? Yes, ma'am. Um, kind of on a smaller scale, just like doing things like in an order, like day by day, just like getting done what you need to get done that day, and not like procrastinating. For sure. Yeah, I like that. Last one. Anybody else? Cool. I, I, think those are, I think that's a great way to summarize that personal effectiveness. And that's what I thought about, too. So I wrote down six items that I feel like uh, help me with personal effectiveness. And the first one goes along with what Mr. B said is adding value. Every time you show up somewhere, you want to be able to add more value and service than you receive in reward, payment, or outcome. Add more value in service than you receive in reward, payment, or outcome. If you have a scholarship, are my athletes at? Scholarships are worth a whole lot of money. And you know the, the adding the value, all that value that you're adding doesn't necessarily have to be on the field or on the court, but the value that you're adding in the classroom or at work, are you willing to ask the questions? Are you willing to answer the questions? Are you going to show up, do the extra rep? You know, can you, can you put yourself in a place where the other person wins? You know, adding value, and just like Mr. B said, I love the way you put it. You know, putting other people first. The secret to living is giving, and when you can give, it's not. It's not about a win-win situation. We want to negotiate a lot of times. It's hard to lose. Nobody wants to be a loser. But if I, I, I want you to win. I'm not here. I'm not here to win, today. I'm, this, this is winning. Getting to share with you for today, and just to put it in context for this moment. Winning, I I want y'all to win. I want just one nugget of these six pieces. If you don't have to remember my name, my face, nothing. But if you can get a a golden nugget from one of the words that I say, you won today, and that's... (laughs) That's that's what means a lot to me. The second thing that I wrote down is 90-day goals. About a couple, 2016, August of 2016, I started setting 90-day goals. And I did that because I heard it from a guy maybe named Scott Oldford, I believe is the first person that did it. It was a marketing class that I started taking, which I ended up having to return because it was way over my head at the time. But he got me into this concept of 90-day goals. And that happened right after I went on this journey to become the world champion of public speaking. And so when I, my last semester studying abroad, I was in Luxembourg, I lived in Bellevue, Luxembourg, And my room was in the attic. I lived with my host family. And I didn't, you know, if I wasn't at home, I didn't have my phone. I didn't have Wi-Fi. I didn't have the international plan. So all I had was my mind. All I had to do was think while I was there and and do push-ups. I was about 30 pounds heavier when I was playing football, about 230. I'm about 205 now. But I would run miles. I would run a mile, do a 1,000 rep workout, and run back. And that would be my workout. But I just had so much time to think and think about what am I going to do, think about my next step, think about that question. If money was no object, what am I going to do with my life? And to that point, it was, it was my decision. I'm not, I gradu, I'm not graduated yet. I'm about to. I applied for a couple corporate jobs to be a district manager and I think an HR manager, and I didn't get them. So I was in Europe with no job. And I was like, Trey, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? And you might have heard Gary Vaynerchuk said, but I don't think I heard it this time, but I wanted to get a job that paid me the most and I had to do the least until I figured out what my next step was going to be. And throughout that time, throughout that semester while I was working, I figured out it was speaking. I heard Les Brown talk about I'm the one. And Les Brown, in my opinion, is the GOAT of public speakers. He spoke in front of 80,000 people in the Georgia Dome. He's been paid $400,000 for a one-hour engagement. Like That dude is, is the truth. And just what he brings to the table when he speaks, so that's that's it. So I looked up Toastmasters, an international organization with 450,000 people worldwide in 148 countries. And I saw this picture up there, it was three people, and it said 2015 or 2014 World Championship of Public Speaking. I said, I'm winning that. That That was it. I came back off that plane from Europe and I found the nearest Toastmasters group. It was in South Bend and then I did a speech or two there, moved down here and joined the local Toastmasters group here that also had somebody that went to the semifinals of the World Championship of Public Speaking. And so while I was working at the Governor's School, I got a job that paid me the most and I got to do the least. I worked two days a week at the Governor's School. The other five days, I got to build a business. I didn't have any bills. I didn't have any extra responsibilities. I got to work with the people that I love, young folks, high school, so it wasn't just like. Just get a job that's not really worth much. Like I, that's who I wanted to work with, but I also got to build my business. So I went around the state, around Georgia, North Carolina, back to Indiana, speaking for free. Did about 50 engagements and all over Toastmasters. And once the competition came up, I was pretty much ready. Oh, I thought I was at least. The first round was a victory, um, if you can call it that. A horrible speech. I think it's recorded and online. It was awful. And then there was a then that's Championship speech competition, the world championship. About thirty thousand people enter this contest, and it goes over six months. There's five rounds, and so the first round is just your local club. The second round is the district and the area, um, and then it's the state. So, progressed through those, won the state championship, and that was that was really cool. That was in Columbia, and so the next step is the world championship of public speaking. So we went through all those rounds and made it to the top 100. I'm this close to my goal. August of 2016 is when we went down. It was in D.C. Again, all these 148 countries. My semifinal round was with 10 people per round. I was with the champion of California, the champion of Japan, the champion of Mexico, the champion of Turkey, the champion of Ohio, of Louisiana, and all kinds of places. And that was when it really hit me that it's not about gaining fame, it's about adding value. Because from the moment that we got to each other, I was used to football. Football, you're not my friend. We step on that field, I'm, I'm gonna cuss you out, okay? I'm, I'm not your friend, I'm gonna hit you when you're not looking, I'm gonna growl at you, I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to get in your head and let you know that I'm the winner. But here I am at the World Championship of Public Speaking and all these champions are nice. They're smiling, they're sharing headphones and dancing before it's time for us to go on stage. Went to a Japanese uh, barbecue with the woman, Reiko, who is in Japan, and, and still talk to some of those folks today, and one of the women actually ended up winning third place overall. So she was the number one woman speaker in the world until this year where actually the top three speakers in the world are women right now. So congratulations to our women power. Um, so that was pretty cool. And it was after that, that defeat that woke me up. It was after that defeat that woke me up. And I'm going to call that one um, Pain is Purpose. I'm jumping around a little bit there. But um, I'm still in the 90-day goal, but pain is purpose. A lot of times in your life, you'll realize that the things that hurt you the most, the things that bring you through the most and make you cry, make you sad, make you mad, oftentimes, those are the things that bring you to your purpose. And so even at that time, I, I knew I wanted to speak, but it was like, Trey, you, you went to the world championship, and you've never been paid to do this. How do you plan on being a public speaker and going around the world? And, and doing this for a, a living if you've never been paid. And that's when I changed the goal from gaining fame to adding value. And I started setting those goals in 90 days. The first 90-day goal was to get paid to speak, simple. $10, $1, $100, dollars 10 cents, whatever the case was, I just let me get paid to speak so I can call myself a professional or whatever. And that 90-day goal went, and that's what I was working towards, getting paid to speak. Set that goal and met it. And the second goal was to, second 90 day round, was how do I add value consistently for free? How do I add value consistently for free? And this is from a speaking standpoint. And so I started doing these videos on Facebook. I started doing video series based off of keynotes. I did like 15 videos one month, 15 the next month. And then I realized I wanted to start a podcast. So I've got the Dash podcast that came out on my birthday. That was my second 90 day goal. There's 70 episodes of the Dash podcast now been out about 18 months, and this might very well be a podcast um, once we finish up and if it sounds all right. As long as nobody cusses, we'll put it on there. But um, that was the second goal, and the third one was to earn a living. And I'm skimming the stories here, but, um, again, I had been paid $100 and $400 to speak, and my next goal is to earn a living. So I purchased this link for like $1,500 to host a live webinar event didn't even end up hosting that event. I spent $3,000 on a community business expo, spent about $3,000 on this event and made about $300 on this event. had a contract to or a proposal to be the executive director of a nonprofit in the area. It was like a three-year contract. It was was pretty cool. It was pretty big, cool to work on. Didn't go through. Those are both failures. And then by April, I, I went to church. I was talking to my dad and well before i went to church i was talking to my dad and i was telling him like i'm ready to leave my job i'm ready to to quit man i'm ready to go out on my own he was like trey that's stupid you need to keep your job all that stuff and at the end he said trey ask god what direction you should go and that was just like complete freedom for me that was that was my i'd always followed people in my life or just from a spiritual standpoint there's leaders in your life, there's people that lead you. My father was a leader, my friends are leaders, my mentors are leaders, but the only person that I follow is my God. So that was the last person of the earth, of this earthly realm, secular world, that I was following, and now all I do, get to do is follow God. I walked into church, and the pastor, my first time there, the pastor told me, stand up, what's your name? He said, I'm Trey Gamage, I'm the owner of Gamage Enterprise, and my mission is to facilitate purpose. We sat down, and three, four weeks later, I had a consulting contract to go to this school a day a week, and it ended up being, uh, or maybe two days a week, and ended up being enough to the point where I could put in my resignation from my job and start working for myself. And that created the transition out of employment into the self-employment. My two goals were to be a speaker and a consultant. And that happened in three 90-day goals. That was my personal effectiveness, and I still do that today. And I'm going to give you a couple of journals that you can take away with you. I use Best Self journals. It's called the Best Self Company. They're out of the UK. Bestself.co, I think is what their website is called. And it literally just gives you this 90-day journal. You, you plan out three goals. You've got your, your primary goal and the result that you wish to expect from that or receive from that. You have three progress goals to help you get there along the way. And then there's nine... Um, basically action goals or actions that you need to take to reach them. So every day I open up that journal. I look at my, it has weekly goals, three months and daily and all that stuff. So I go through there, do my gratitude, my wins, my losses, my agenda for every day. Victory loves preparation. Every day is planned out. I know what I'm doing every single day. Um, And I use those. But there's a couple other people. Um, Michael Hyatt also has a 90-day journal. That's pretty good. I haven't used it. He's very effective. So those are two things that I recommend there um, when it comes to the 90-day goals. Last two, and I promise I'm almost done, is creating opportunities and facilitating purpose. So when it was really time to get into entrepreneurship, my, I, I, you really have to have something to add. value. You can't be an entrepreneur if you're not adding value. Everything in this world was created to solve a pain. Water solves the pain of my thirst. Wi-Fi solves the pain of service. Your phone solves the, the pain of communication. Everything that you do is solving a pain. So as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, as a consultant, I have to know what kind of pain I'm solving for my audience, or for my customer, or for my client. And that, that was something that meant a lot to me. Now, I work in more in principles and maybe cliches. So creating opportunities, like again, Trey, what does that mean? Um, creating opportunities to grow, lead, and experience. But I said it in a principle because principles apply to everything. Wisdom is something that can't be transferred. You can't, I can't have a wisdom and give it to you. You can't have wisdom and give it to me. That's not how transference of information works. But what does transfer and what does not change is a principle. So the principle of creating an opportunity, what that means for me is giving, what does it mean to you actually? Let me just ask you, what, what does it mean to create opportunities? I guess like setting yourself up for success or failure. Touche? Yes, sir. What else? Um, are there are different keynote speakers. Yeah. Do, you do something you haven't done previously? Yeah. For sure. For sure. I um I say creating opportunities to grow, lead and experience. That's that's mine in particular. That's what I want to do. As a as a business, I want to create opportunities for these kids I'm working with at the Charter School for y'all right now. Uh, if whatever I'm doing, I want you to be able to grow, lead and experience from it. And it's cool because, and just like you said, so the secret to living is giving, and it's all about adding value. So it's all about you, and it's not about you. It's all about you because it's only, only you can make the decision for your life. You know, it's only, only you can, can decide what you're gonna do every day. Only you are in control of you, and that's it. There's nothing else that you can control besides you, you control if you're happy or not. You control when you get mad. You control if you go get to work out or not. You control if you graduate. You control if you get maybe not an A. Some, some classes are hard. But you control what only what you can control. And that's all about you. You have to do the thing. You have to make every decision count to win. But it's not about you because if the only person that's going to benefit is you, you're not going to make it because you're not adding value to anybody else. So that creating opportunities is, is just something that I kind of live by. Anywhere I'm going, it's, it's about creating that opportunity um, for people to grow lead, and experience in whatever platform. And then facilitating purpose. I looked up these root words. I was looking for my mission statement. You know, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a speaker. So I'm always trying to look at what words mean. Facilitate means to make easier. Purpose means your reason for doing. When I say facilitating purpose, I want to make it easier for you to do what you love. That's what I live by. And basically these little six things right here, that, that's real simple. You know, that, that's really easy. That's personal effectiveness for me. I want to add value. I'm going to set my goals in 90 days. I, pain is purpose. So a lot of things are going to hurt. You lose more than you win. Shifting to city council, and I'm, we're about to stop for questions. Shifting to city council. How that came about was in one of those proposals that I submitted and did not get. I was doing research about the community. And in Hartsville, it's very interesting. Um, it's, you've got benevolent, I, this might be not politically correct, benevolent segregation is what I would say. And you've got, you know, Butler High School didn't close until 1984, which is pretty late, you know, when you're thinking about the civil rights era and things. And like, I've never, I haven't met anybody that I felt like has been racist towards me. I've, I've not experienced racism in Hartsville overtly, but the benevolent part is there's, there's lines in the city that people don't cross. There's places that people don't go. People that live in South Hartsville, or the Butler heritage district, a lot of them don't feel comfortable coming downtown. They feel like it's, you gotta have money or you gotta be white or you gotta be rich or, or whatever the case. And some folks on the south side or the east side or west side or north side of town are only just driving through 6th Street to go through um, South Hartsville. There's one way in, there's one way out. So it was interesting to see, and when you think about city council and the way that cities are divided up, I have a district that goes from Carolina to, to Washington Street, and from 8th Street down to the skating rink. And if you think about the way that our city is divided up, and you're thinking about city council, the woman that was in the seat before me, Miss Adeline Graham, she served for 24 years. She got on council when she was about 60, 62 years old, and she was 84 by the time we ran last August. Um, And if you think about the way that it's divided up, the way that our city is divided up, how do you present a council member that's duly qualified to sit in the seat and serve? She had to do it for 24 years, and she wanted to keep going. So even from my standpoint, I'm there for four years. What if I want to go up? What if I want to go to representative or mayor or Senate or Congress, or what if I don't want to do it anymore? Who's gonna be qualified to replace me in that seat? And when we I say that, I didn't mention this, in in for the demographics in Hartsville, I think the average income in Hartsville is twenty seven thousand. This is two thousand eight census. For blacks it's eight thousand. For Latino it's five thousand. The unemployment rate for blacks in Hartsville is twenty-five percent. The education, 50% of black people in Hartsville have not graduated from high school. That's tough. That is tough. So running for city council has nothing to do with me. I came from outside, and I saw a deficit. I saw, I saw a lack. I've never seen a dirt road in my life. When I was campaigning, all 40 of those streets, all 50 of those streets, I walked every single one of them, and I knocked on every single door. There's 1,500 people in my district. I knocked on them all twice. And I saw houses that were being supported by cinder blocks. I saw people living in houses that were abandoned, that don't have running water or electricity. I saw eight people living in a one-bedroom apartment. I saw... Some people were smoking weed as I was walking and asking them for their vote. They were rolling and smoking in my face while I was asking for their vote. I saw extreme poverty. I saw people without opportunity. I saw lack. And who who am I to be in a position of privilege and not reach back and help somebody else? Who you know, could have could have went to Atlanta, could have went back home, could have went a lot of places in South Carolina. All my family lives in Indiana. I've got four brothers i got a sister, my parents, my grandparents. Nobody's here with me. My fiance just moved down, so I am happy about that. <laughs> yes, indeed. She lives with me now. So that, that's, I got my partner in crime. But it, was, it, it wasn't about me. Living here in South Carolina is not about me. Running for city council is not about me. Even my business is not about me. It's about creating opportunities. So now that you see 69 votes, and that's, I'm not going to get into the whole story, at least not yet. 69 people voted in that election for me. So there's 1,500 people in my district, 700 were registered to vote. I knocked on every single door in my district, 113 total people came out to vote. And the first time on November 7th, there was I won with 46 votes, Ms. Graham, the incumbent, had 36, and the third person had 26 votes. So we had to have a runoff. We had to do it again. I had 69 votes and she had 47 votes. That's what it took to change my life. That's what it took to add value to 69 people. That's not that many, man. And so just when you think about it, and even that question, if money was no object, what would you do with your life? 69 people changed mine. 69 people, because I wanted to add value to them, and I asked every one of those doors, can I serve you? 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 I'm a public servant. I'm giving every day. day. That, that, the secret to living is that giving and adding that value. And because of that, They've changed my life in ways and doors have opened up that I didn't even know existed. When you step out on that ledge, when you, when you take the chance to make that pain your purpose, when it hurts so bad and you want to stop or do drugs, because I've been there before too. In college, those first two years when I wasn't on the field, spring break, I was like, man, forget this, I'm about to go get high. Came back and had a drug test on Monday. You think I passed it? No. Nah. All the, all, the, all the other players, Trey, you should have told us, man, we could have detoxed, did this and that. I got to take this L. And I, that, that was painful. I didn't know if I was going to lose my scholarship, $50,000 a year, got to tell my parents. I didn't tell my parents, to like, my dad, to like three years afterwards. You know, it's, so there's, there's a lot of directions you can go, but when you make the decision to, to make that pain your purpose, when you make the decision to add value and create opportunities and make it easier to do what you love and what somebody else loves, it's crazy how opportunity opens up for you. I didn't see city council. I didn't see a lot of things that are opening up, a lot of opportunities. But when you work for other people, it, it finds ways to, to come back to you. Um, and that's, that's, that's my six points. That's my keys to personal effectiveness. And I would love to hear what you think and, and question or discussion, comment, concern, whatever the case is. Let's, let's talk about it. Yes, ma'am. Um, I kind of like the point you made about pain as purpose because, so, like, one our first activity we had for this class, um, we just kind of had to take, like, a leadership test, and one of the skills was positive mindset and outlook. And I kind of, what I wrote my discussion post on was, like, looking at failure as, like, a positive. So, like, how to take that failure and, like, use that pain for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So. hmm it's the first attempt at learning. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You said uh, motivation doesn't last long. Like, how if it doesn't last long, how do you make you keep uh, less enough until you achieve your goal and it, go to the towards the next one? Well, I think one way that helps that is, is shortening that goal. It, um, a New Year's resolution, holding that goal for a year is it's pretty hard, you know, because there's going to be some days when it's about motivation, and, and you really when it's about motivation, that's that's more. It's more about you, it's more about you. The reason has to be bigger than you. Um, so I think when the reason is bigger than you, when it's about creating opportunities or adding value, it's not about what, what I get, but it's about what I give. Um, and then it changes from motivation to purpose. So I, I, you know, motivation doesn't last, purpose does. When you've got, like, those principles, they don't change. In high school, I said I want to have an impact on everybody I have a conversation with. That hasn't changed, like, that, that's, that's forever you know with me and even facilitating purpose like those those are things that last longer motivation I might be motivated to do my homework today but I if it's something I don't like am I going to be motivated to do it you know, probably not you know so it's shoot had a good workout yesterday you going to be motivated to go to class at 8 a.m. No. no but when you have a reason for doing that when you have a purpose for getting up and you know what's on the line for doing it it's not motivation anymore it, it's a purpose that you're doing these things yes sir Yeah. So the, the self journal is bestself.co. That's that's the website. And I say those are a little bit hefty. They're like $30 um, for those journals. I do have some cards and I have a couple of extras. So if you hit me up, I might slide you one for free. Um, because most people won't follow through on those kind of things. Like even if I give you a card, you're probably still not going to message me um, in yeah, that's how a lot of times it works. But th- those journals, I, I kind of fell into on a humbug, and was I was doing them on my own. I just used a Word document. You don't need a fancy journal to be able to do it. You need a Word document and put your goals in a Word doc. I did that for a couple rounds before I actually even found the journals and put it in an Excel sheet and just planned out what I was doing each day. But it goes from, I wish I would have brought my backpack. It goes from, you start off with your three major goals, your three key goals. And so I have one, my fiance just moved in, so right now it was um, keeping her first in in my life. And, and we, set, we made a roommate contract, how you have as an RA, mm-hmm. we have like a, a relationship contract about, you know, how we're gonna spend our money, how we're gonna love each other, how we're gonna keep each other first and seek God. So those, were, those are things that like keep us on track. So that's one of my goals to make sure I'm putting her first. Another one was for city council in the cemetery, um, on Marion Avenue. And another goal was um, as an entrepreneur and just where I want to be financially and how many people I want to impact there. So from there, it goes into a weekly check in. So it's 13 weeks. And every week, like right now, it shows, I put out my top five habits or activities. So my habits or activities, I do my power hour at least five days a week. That's when I wake up, read my Bible, pray, write in my journal, plan my day, whatever else fits in that hour, maybe eat. Or workout, and another thing is exercise. I like to exercise four to five times a week, and like right now, I'm launching a course, learning how to get paid to speak. It's called Money Talks. Learn how to get paid to speak. So I want to work on that three days this week. So your top five habits or goals that are going to help you, or habits or activities to help you reach your main goal, and then you've got like milestones. So it's it's pretty it's really in depth, but it takes about five minutes a day, ten minutes a day to do it. The milestones that I want to achieve this week and then um, your reflection for the week. And then you've got your daily piece. So you've got your big 90-day overview, your weekly check-in, and your day-to-day progress. So every Sunday, I actually, I've got three goals I do on Sunday, plan, praise, and progress, and that's personal effectiveness as well. So I plan my week on Sunday, I plan my week, and I found that actually it's kind of hard for me to plan from Sunday to Sunday, because that motivation doesn't last all week, and I've got to re-up On what those goals are and I'll get tired of looking at it so I'll check in on Thursday and see what I need to do to finish out the week. Praise is is going to church, loving on God and the progress is I like to go to the gym on Sunday so that's three things that I do on Sunday and um, yeah so I plan that week and each week it has a column for your daily schedule in the morning has three things you're grateful for your goals for the day and at the end in the evening it has your reflection what did you do well what could you improve on, and what are you grateful for tonight? And that's every ninety days, start a new journal. Yes, sir. What else? Yes, sir. So when you were going from like house to house within your district, those fifteen hundred houses, like what was like your ninety day plan going into that? Mm, good. So that's a great question. So about a month before city council, the registration is all systematized or systemized. Um, you could apply for council between. August 24th and September 7th. So I solidified the plan to run about the end of July. By July, we were kind of talking about it, didn't know if I was going to run. Getting into August was really putting together that plan of action. So we had a lot of ideas um, about drives we were going to do and give backs and campaigns and all that. But like for me, it was got to get people to vote. That's Nothing else matters but getting people to vote. So what I did is I took my um, district. You have a map. If you Google City of Hartsville district map, you'll see the six districts in here. And the way that we work, there's some, like Darlington has three at-large positions, which means anybody can vote, and three wards that you can vote in. We have only districts. Only people that can vote are the people in my pocket of space. So I got that map, and I looked at the streets, and I cut that map into four smaller districts or cities or or pieces, and I was like, well, I'm going to do this one today, that one tomorrow, that one, you know, the next day, or I did them by week. I don't remember if I did them by week or by day or just I'd go out every day like today instead of being here to speak, I'd be hitting the streets for about two to three hours and knocking on the doors. And it might be the goal. It might be 20 streets in each district, so I might try to get to 10 or 15 of them in a day, Um, or I might count the votes, you know, see how many people said yes. And who who was there? Who was not? Because a lot of the people change. You have a voter list, so you know who's um, registered and you know who's um, who's not. A lot of those people change. High turnover in the apartment complexes and houses that we have. So a lot of doors I knocked on, it wasn't the people that I had on my list. But sectioned it out like that, because you got to eat it in chunks. You know, it's good to have big goals and great goals, but. It's a lot tackling 1,500 people or, or you know that kind of space. Um, so I broke it down into those four sections and just did those week by week or day by day. Yeah, good question. Anything else? Anything, anything. I'm here for you. Did you know immediately what your purpose was? I'm gonna talk about it, but I think I missed it. Immediately right after Immediately know what your purpose was. Do you ever have an idea? Um, when I was in kindergarten, my teacher said that I would be a psychologist and some a baseball player. <laughs> I studied psychology and played football, so she wasn't too far off. But there's there's always been an inclination in my heart for people, and I I don't. Know what that was. I didn't, I, I didn't know how to describe it or define it. So, it, no, to answer your question, simply no. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what my purpose was. I feel like I was searching for that and still searching for it. And as I've even come to find out, like it changes over time. I think Aristotle and Erica Badu said, a man who knows something knows that he knows nothing at all. And that's that. The more I go, like now, where it was about getting to $100,000 and it was about scaling my business now it's like how do i protect my wife how do i how do i what do i need to how do i make money so she can be secure so we can get ready to have kids and do these so the the meaning of that purpose changes with time so i'm not it's like a business plan you write a business plan to get you started but as you go in your journey it plan's going to shift you know and when that spaceship gets off 1 degree your recalibration's going to have you on a different route so i thought i was going to be speaking around the world for $2500 a pop and just speaking, but it turns out that I'm what I didn't think I was going to be doing education, like K-12 education, like that's silly to me. I wasn't the biggest fan of school coming up, but now I see how much value that can be added to these kids in the K-12 environment, and on top of that, I'm working with teachers. So instead of doing a 30-minute keynote or a 45-minute keynote, now I'm doing professional development with teachers who are in the classroom with the students for eight hours a day. So it's just deepening the purpose. you could say I knew what it was, but it evolves and it changes with you. Good question. What else? There are a few aspiring entrepreneurs in the room that are thinking about it, but not ready to just jump in and try mm-hmm. it. What advice can you give them? Um, you got to be real about it. I mean, it's not a um, when I when I left the governor's school and I said I, I I had enough to to make that change. I took a thirty percent decrease in pay and a 300% increase in bills. I've had so many insufficient funds, um, transactions in my account the first couple of years, but it's trumped by the fact that I know I wrote the contract to do what I literally love to do every day. So, I mean, you, you have to have a plan and you need help. You're not going to do it by yourself. There's a lot of free resources, the Small Business Administration, SBA, SCORE, the South Carolina um, retired executives. There's people that you can talk to that will help you map it out. And even as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of steps you can take before you actually need to start a business or get your LLC or to launch. So, I mean, my my speaking stuff, I didn't start my LLC till about two years after I was speaking. And then you still have to really refine what you're going into. Because what you don't want to do is get started thinking you could do everything. You know, you you, you got to know what you're trying to do. And it's always niching down to get to a place where you are the best at this, not doing a bunch of things, but doing one thing just right. Um, so what's the, and to break all that down, that long answer, what's the problem you're trying to solve? What's the pain you're trying to solve? The bigger the pain, the more, the, the more money you can make. The more people that you impact, the more um, value that you add, the more income that you'll receive in return, but you got to have, you got to solve a pain. If you can't solve a pain and you don't know what that pain is, you're not ready to start your business yet. Thanks for having me. This is, this is what I love to do, you know, talking and, because I feel like I'm in a position, um, my campaign slogan was Bridge the Gap. And part of that reason of Bridge the Gap is because I'm, especially in Hartsville, which is the twilight zone, I'm at an age where um, everybody that I talk to on a day-to-day basis is like 40 years old and up. They're all like my elders, so they give me that wisdom. But then the other folks I talk to are college and below. And I feel like I'm just in the middle of hopscotching along. But I feel like bridging that gap, I, I, I still or the experience and the wisdom from my elders, and I feel like I'm still young enough to be able to translate that voice to my current generation or the shared generation and the generation to come. So every opportunity to come and add value um, and to speak is, is a blessing and an opportunity. And it's also a victory for me, You know, knowing Y'all asked some questions, and just by speaking, I said some things that I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to say any of this stuff. You know, it's, So I, I get to learn a lot about myself, and I've got it on tape. That's the last thing, document versus create. You're starting a business, you're starting a podcast, whatever, document it, document it, document it, document it, document it. This is, this is going to be a podcast. I didn't do nothing but press record. It's documenting this content, and so much content has been documented now that I've been able to make a class teaching people how to get paid to speak. Because I saved all my notes. I worked through the process. I saved all those keynotes. I saved everything that I had. I just documented the journey, even those journals. If it's not a 90-day journal, get a journal and document your life. It's Chronicles. Marcus Aurelius has the meditations from 400 BC. And I bought the book You know, 2,000 years later. Just document your life. You know, it's, it's, Digital is great, but put it on paper and write the vision, make it plain is what Habakkuk 2 and 2 says in the Bible. And so what you put on paper, I find it becomes real. Thanks for listening to the Dash Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the six steps to personal effectiveness. Go ahead and leave a comment below with your favorite step of personal effectiveness, how you use it or how you plan on using it. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the Dash Podcast.